listening to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. I'm Stacey Orstano. And I'm Derek Phillips. Welcome to our fourth audience participation episode. <sighs> Fanfare. If you haven't already, go check out our brand new website at www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that's Clear Eyes, Full Hearts Pod. Visit the site, check out the merch. We got hats, shirts, coffee mugs, stickers. There's just some general info about the show as well. And we, over the past couple of episodes, well, since the beginning, have asked you guys to send questions to our email address, which is cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com. And you guys sent some great ones. So we're going to dive right in and answer some questions. Our first question comes from Gracie, and I hope I'm saying this right, Dason Roth who writes, is the show like real life in Texas? Do fans really go crazy over high school football games? And do whole towns really shut down just for Friday night? I'm from Texas. Yes and no. The smaller towns especially will like really shut down and everybody goes to the game. I'm from a bit of a bigger town. I'm from Arlington. So like, no, I mean, the world doesn't shut down and places are still open, but yeah, it's still a big deal. Not in Arlington, but yeah, in smaller towns, like as I said, I went and visited my buddy, Mike Schrader in a place called Riesel, Texas. And yes, literally the whole entire town is down for the game on Friday night. But that's the thing is there's a ton of small towns in Texas. I mean, it's such a huge state and it's so spread out that there's these massive rivalries between these these little towns that, that are like twin cities, essentially. So every one of these small towns has these massive rivalries with these other small towns that are within three and four hour radiuses of their place. And yeah, I mean, that experience to me, the amount of people that go to Texas high school football games, even in mm-hmm. big cities, my buddy Chris Price from college, he went to a school called Clear Lake High School. And Clear Lake is, it's in a pretty big suburb of Houston. But I was blown away at the amount of people that actually go to these high school football games. As I've said before, I came from Florida. Florida is a huge football state. But in terms of like the fanfare and the bands and the pageantry and all that, it's, it doesn't compare to, to Texas football. A big, huge, badass high school football team in Florida will get five to 10,000 people maybe at a, at a game, but that's rare. Not in a high school in, in Texas. I mean, you've got stadiums. Some of these stadiums are, I think there's one that's like 20,000 seats or close to 20,000 seats. It's crazy. I am thinking on it, and I don't think I ever went to one high school football game. So what do you know? Just wasn't my jam. I had things to do <laughs> and people to see. But also when you talk about the amount of money that's put into the facilities, I mean, some of these stadiums are, some of them are better than college stadiums in yeah. Texas. The stadiums in Florida are not like that. They're just old, rundown stands. I mean, they've been upgraded, some of them, but like the field turf alone in a lot of these stadiums costs millions of dollars. So yes, yes and no to answer the question? Yeah. Sure. A little bit of both. Okay, second question comes from Kelly Sinquina in Perth. Shout out Australia. She says, during the previously on Friday Night Lights recap at the start of each episode, when it was aired, sometimes the scenes are slightly different with the characters saying different dialogue. Why is this? It's such a tease. I want to see the full scenes with the missing dialogue. I've never actually noticed that before. Have you, Stacey? I have not. Yeah, I haven't noticed it before, but if that is happening, and I'm, I'm assuming you, you're a big enough fan of the show that you know that it probably has. They want to get as much information into that short time frame as possible. So I'm thinking they probably sometimes use alt lines or alt takes because it gives us more information. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a possibility. That's the only thing, or it could just be an editing mistake. Kelly, I've never noticed that before, 
but I'll keep an eye out for it in the future. And if I see it, I will definitely talk about it on the show. Our third question comes from Alex Ranson, who writes, so we learn in the pilot that Coach Taylor is A, both new in town, and B, has coached street since he was a boy. That implies street must be new in town too. But in that case, how come he is old friends with Riggins and apparently has been dating Lila for a long time? Can you please explain these mysteries? Well, yeah, they said Coach drove two hours a day to to Coach Street, right? Yeah. So he lived far away. So Jason's always lived in Dillon and Coach would drive to Dillon to coach him specifically. Yeah, that's one way of explaining it. I didn't even think about that. But Stacey, yeah, you're 100% right about that one. Because we talk about in, uh, I think it's episode 19, about how Julie talks about how she's moved around a ton and that they never stayed in one place for too long. We don't know when they actually moved to Dillon. I don't think. I don't think we officially know the date, maybe when he became a head coach. Probably. But I think in general, there are times on this show, guys, where things just don't line up. If you start doing the math, you're going to go, oh, wait a minute. Continuity was never a strong suit on a show like Friday Night Lights. And I think sometimes you just got to kind of suspend disbelief. And I know that that's rough to do, especially as shows nowadays where every little moment of every little beat is has been planned out ahead of time. I think with the older model of a 22 episode season, sometimes things just kind of doesn't always work out that way. Just go with the flow. It's not as planned as I think some people think maybe it was. Yeah, I think this one was fleshed out really well when there was like a really quick, I feel like episode two or even the pilot where they said that he drove two hours to come coach street when he was like younger, younger. This is one time where I think Friday Night Lights actually got it right on a continuity level. I think so. And I think Stacy just nailed it. That, yeah, coach was driving to and from. So that means that Julie was going to junior high or elementary school in some other town before they actually moved to Dillon. Because Tammy says, yeah, you used to drive two hours, right? Next question, Paula Junquiera from Brazil. God, I love these international audience people. Is asking if you could rewrite the characters of Billy and Mindy, how different would they be? That's a tall order because I think the writers did such a tall. They did such a wonderful job on this show. But in general, what happens on any show that's been going for a while, the more comedic characters always want to be more serious. The serious characters always want to be a little bit more comedic. I remember there was a scene in like season five where Billy had to do a haka, which was like, you know, <gasps> yes. a, like a war chant dance. War chant, yeah. And I remember at the time, like, I don't think a haka is ridiculous, but I think Billy doing it, I kind of remember thinking, like, this is kind of ridiculous that I have to do this. And I remember talking to Kyle about it, and Kyle was like, oh man, I would, I would love to do that. He's like, I always have to be so serious all the time. He's like, it'd be fun to do something crazy like that. And I was like, I just want to be cool. I want to be coach. I want to have all the answers. I want to be the guy who knows everything in the scene for once and not be the, the comic relief. So it's not something I would rewrite. I think the characters were perfect the way they were. But it is one of those things that you stay on the show long enough eventually you, you start to, you start to want to do some different stuff with your character. You don't always want to be playing the same thing. So that's one thing, but it's not something I would change. I think the writers mm-hmm. obviously did a great job, and I think that they were honest with who the character is, regardless of where I, as an actor, may have wanted to go sometimes. You know? That's what mine is. It's completely selfish. I wouldn't change anything about the writing of the character. I would just write her into more episodes. <laughs> we're going to have Brett Cullen on the show, uh, who played my dad in a, in a later episode. And that's one of the things... Honestly, that's something that I would change. I I would love to have had a little bit more stuff with dad on the show. Some of that stuff wound up getting cut, unfortunately. But I would love to have had more stuff with Brett Cullen. I would have loved to have explored that relationship a little bit more, Billy and dad's relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's something, it's not 
when I say something I would change or rewrite, I just wish that it was there. But I, at the end of the day, I think the show was pretty darn good without my little two cents as a writer. It's pretty perfect. And nobody needs more Stacey Oristano in their show right now. The show is pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah, as an actor, we're all selfish. We want more stuff for ourselves. That's like you know? just the right amount of Mindy. Yeah. I did one time very drunkenly pitch a story to David Hudgens that was, I guess it would have to be off-season football, but the high school was going to do a musical and it would be like Lil Abner or Dame Yankees and they didn't have enough males to to be the chorus and to be the dancers. So they hired the guys from the foot hired. They put the guys from the football team into the musical and Mindy, because she's a dancer, was the choreographer of the high school musical. And David laughed at me and it didn't make it into the show. <laughs> the one time I actually pitched, and it wasn't like, I don't want to say I went into a, a meeting and sat down with the writers and was like, I got an idea for something, guys. We were all out having drinks after the first season wrapped up. And I was with Brooke Langdon, who played Jackie on the show, who plays the hot next door neighbor that we'll meet later in the season. But she and I had become friends and we said, oh, you know, what would be a cool idea is if Tim and Jackie's relationship ends and then Billy starts dating Jackie. And we thought we were so, we thought this was such a great idea. And we told this to, to Jeffrey Reiner and Jeffrey Reiner relayed it to the writers because he thought it was a great idea too. Only problem is, and this is why I never pitched anything again, is that we created this great idea and then Tim moved out of the house. But with Tim out of the house, Nobody cares what Billy's yeah, doing. Yeah, there's no conflict. So Billy was basically off the show for like nine episodes in the second season because I was so smart that I went to the writers and said, hey, why don't you guys add a, a, a stuff where Jackie and I are together? Uh, and they were like, or how about instead we just write you out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, at that point, I was like, you know what? I think maybe I'll just shut up and let the writers uh, do what they're doing. Because the one time I, I had an idea, it basically wrote me off the show for eight episodes. Yeah, I never pitched again. <laughs> <laughs> Right, next question here. This one's for you, Stacy. Michael Frick wants to know, how hard is it to separate character from reality? He says, I've never acted, but hearing Stacy say she watched West Wing, it took me a minute to remember that Mindy was a character, not the actress. Yeah, I don't think Mindy watches West Wing. I don't think that's yeah. really up her alley. I think she <laughs> watches a lot of Housewives and The Bachelor. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think Billy's watching a lot of NASCAR, football. If Billy watches any kind of television, it's probably stuff blowing up, you know? Or maybe Mythbusters or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that would be good. I don't have a problem separating. I, I go in and out really fast, even in between takes, between character and actor. I don't love living in a character for too long. It starts to feel just a little heady to me, if that makes sense. So I like I like to take breaks and be Stacy again and save that for like when I'm on camera. I'm the same way, Stacey. I am not one of those actors who's sitting there before a scene in my head trying to get to some place. And there's some actors that do, and that's great. Mm -hmm. When I was coming up, I started out doing theater, and I was also the, the head of like the makeup department in the theater in college. So I was making sure everyone's makeup was the way it needed to look. Everyone's hair needed to look the right way because you're doing a show you know, with 20 people in it. It was my job to make sure that everyone's, you know, if we were doing a period piece that all the women had period style hair and period style makeup. And so I was concerned with that before a show. And I was also acting in all these shows. So it was like the minute they called places, I was still tweaking somebody else's hair and mm -hmm. didn't really have time to focus on me as an actor. And in some respects, I don't think that's the best way to work. But in some respects, it also sure. kind of made it 
less about like getting into some kind of headspace and just being, just play it. I've always said as an actor, you need to know three things. You need to know your given circumstances, know your action and react. That's it. That's the thing is the reacting to me. I need it to happen in the moment and I need to be listening to the person across from me. So I can't prepare for what they're going to say to me. Yeah. Now there was one time, honest to God, this happened on Friday Night Lights. We were shooting. I think we've mentioned before how fast this show moved. We'd been on break for or a hiatus for like four months and it was like the new season. I think it was the start of season four or five. I can't remember. And I had a, a small scene where I'm com- I come into coach's office and I beg him to let me coach. This is start of season five, actually. It's my first scene in season five. And my call time was supposed to be like 10 o'clock in the morning. And at eight o'clock in the morning, my phone rang and they're like, hey, we're moving really, really fast. Can you come on down? And I was like, yeah. So I got in my car, headed to set, went through hair and makeup in like five minutes and then was on set and shooting a scene. And it was nine o'clock in the morning. And we shot the take, one take. Michael Waxman goes, great, moving on. And I was like, whoa, 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 dude. I said, I need another one. I haven't done Billy's accent because I kind of have like a bit of a Northeast accent just in general, Mm -hmm. the way I talk. And the take that I did was kind of like this George W. Bush meets, you know, Buddy Garrity bad (laughs) accent thing that I did. And Waxman was like, moving on. And I'm like, no, 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 dude. I'm like, that that wasn't even Billy's accent. I don't know what the hell that was, but like, give me one more try. Because mm-hmm. that thing, whatever came out there was like a really, really bad Texas accent. I hadn't been in Texas in all that time because I'd been living in California. Yeah, you got to get it back in your body. So I just needed a couple of takes to kind of get back into what Billy is. And what I used to do, honest to God, is if I didn't have a dip, I'd put a dip in. Because it just felt like if I had something in the front of my mouth, that automatically kind of made me start talking like Billy again. Having that thing in the front mm-hmm. of your mouth kind of just makes you, gives you a little bit of a Texas slang. Even that, just now just doing that, that wasn't even Billy's accent. Mine is smells. I have a specific perfume that I make for every character, even when I do a theater show. So that if I, because a couple of times I've had to go back and do a show again, like two years later, and it's yep. just a sense memory for me that I smell it. And I'm like, oh, I'm back. And here she is. She's back. Each character gets a new perfume. Having Billy's boots on always helped me, which were technically my boots. But like when I wear those boots, I feel like more like country. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Stacy and I were very much the type of actors that weren't sitting around getting heady about it before takes. Now there were times where if it was a really serious scene, I would need to know that the given circumstances before that I wasn't coming in joking. I was before that I was in a... Mm -hmm in a serious place. And so th- there may be some prepping for that. And then also leaving space for another actor that needs it. I think especially about Zach Guilford when we were shooting The Sun and yes. just giving him the space and quiet that he needed. So we weren't playing around in roughhousing, like just making sure everything was really quiet and serene so that he could be prepared. 100%. And that was one thing that was really great about the set on Friday Night Lights is when you had those scenes. I mean, like when Zach's, Zach's up there, I mean, the scene starts with him giving a speech at his father's funeral. You know what I mean? So you don't want to be like making fart jokes right before then. And then. Yeah, it's not the time. uh, It's not the time or the place. And so you could literally kind of hear a pin drop on set in that moment. I don't know that Zach needed it. No, we just gave it to him. He didn't ask for it. Because I also remember when we were shooting the sun in the middle of his beautiful monologue that he's doing, an airplane flew over. Yes. And he stopped, kind of looked up, broke character, waited, waited for the airplane to pass, and then jumped right back into it like nothing had happened. And it was really, it was kind of amazing to watch. It was the most professional thing I've seen. Because guys, you can't use a take if a microphone is flying over because it'll get on, if a microphone, if an, airplane, if an yeah. airplane is flying over, it'll get caught on your mic and you can't use that take. So Zach was aware enough of the surroundings to know that he had to pause and then get right back into it. It was 
It was goosebumpy watching that. Yeah, and he didn't, I mean, he broke character to wait for the airplane to fly over, but didn't break character. Like, I mean, he jumped right back into that monologue like nothing had happened. And it was really like, wow. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of the actors that I've worked with in my life. Look, I'm not going to argue one way or the other as to method and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But everyone's got a different path. But like whatever your process is, if it works for you, great. I respect it. Yep. Okay, Derek, this one is very specifically for you. David Nelson writes, Although he never made a physical appearance on the show, Slam and Sammy Mead played an integral role throughout the five seasons. Did you ever meet or interact with David Cowgill on set? And any chance you could be a guest on the podcast? That's actually a really good idea. I'm writing that down. Yeah, I would love to have David Cowgill on. He's actually on our our list already, Stace. Okay. I would love to have David Cowgill on the show. I have never actually met Slam and Sammy Mead. I don't think he ever came to any rap parties. And that's the thing, though. If he did, would I recognize him? I've never seen him. Oh, true. Now, if I heard him talk, I'd be like, hey, that's Slam and Sammy Mead. I would imagine. I wonder what he looks like. I don't know. But yeah, I would love to have Slam and Sammy Mead on the show. Yeah, definitely. That is a great question. Never thought about it. Never met him. Never it's met terrible. Him. Our last question comes from Vince Edwards, who wants to know, why did the show only last five seasons? I don't know, Vince. You tell me. (laughs) I think I can answer that one. So I'll give you a little short history. We've already talked about this a little bit in the first season, but on some of the other podcasts. But yeah, so the ratings for the show, the amount of viewers for the show was never extremely high. We always had amazing critical acclaim. As I said before in a, in a podcast, the New York Times said it's more than a television show, it's art. So critically, the show was always lights out, but we always had difficulty pulling in an audience. After the second season of the show, across every platform, all businesses, there was a writer's strike. So the whole entire acting and television business shut down for, I want to say, four or five months, maybe even longer. Yeah, maybe longer. Yeah. So after that strike happened, Friday Night Lights was basically canceled. The show was pretty much done. And then what happened is Peter Berg, I believe, was out to dinner with, of all people, Tom Arnold. I do not know where this story is going. It's a true story that Tom Arnold was involved in this. I may be paraphrasing and and making some of this up. But Tom Arnold had made a suggestion, like, have you guys tried another network? And I believe that there was a representative from DirecTV at this dinner, and they had a conversation about maybe taking the show to DirecTV. DirecTV eventually looked at the numbers and said, look, Mm -hmm. Friday Night Lights might not have a lot of viewers, but the viewers that they have are diehard. So like 6 million viewers, diehard viewers, because we almost got canceled after the first season of Friday Night Lights. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been for a campaign of our fans. Save the lights. Save the lights, where they were sending light bulbs to the executives at at NBC, Mm -hmm. and light bulbs were showing up on executives' desks broken in boxes, and they were like, please stop sending light bulbs. Please stop. But that campaign helped save the show, but it only saved us for season two. Season three, we were pretty much done. It was over with. There was a new president at NBC. Friday Night Lights was not his show. The numbers were terrible on Friday Night Lights, so they were going to cancel the show. But then this dinner happened, as I said, with Tom Arnold. And Tom Arnold, I don't know if he had a connection with DirecTV, but somehow Tom Arnold was involved. Listen, did Tom Arnold say Friday Night Lights? Yes. Maybe? Yes. That is a fact. I'd have to go back and find out all the particulars of it. But Tom Arnold saved Friday Night Lights. It's crazy. It's Tom. Our producer, Miranda, just sent me this link here. And it's about the Tom Arnold situation, Stacey, which I was just talking about. So Our savior. 
Yes, our savior, Tom Arnold. But it says that when Friday Night Lights was in danger of being canceled after its second season, Tom Arnold, me, me being Eric Shanks, DirecTV's former executive vice president of entertainment, and Ben Silverman were out to dinner. They were having Chinese food at the Sundance Film Festival. And Ben Silverman had mentioned that Friday Night Lights was basically on the bubble. But over this dinner with Eric Shanks, they came up with this idea of how Friday Night Lights could basically be saved. And none of that would have happened had Tom Arnold not set up this Chinese food dinner with these guys. And that's how the show was saved, basically. And it's the reason why Friday Night Lights was around for seasons three, seasons four, and seasons five. So yeah, I wasn't crazy. I knew that Tom Arnold was involved somehow. You're not crazy. And Chinese food fixes everything. Oh, that sounds good right now. I actually, for real, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, this led to DirecTV taking over the show for the third, fourth, and fifth season where they had an agreement with NBC where they would take over half the cost of production. Mm -hmm. So I think our, our budget per episode was something like 1.6 million, which is actually very, very low for episodic mm -hmm. television. If you think about a show like Game of Thrones, which had a budget of close to 14 million per episode, Friday Night Lights, 1.6 million is pocket change. I mean, that's barely paying your actors and the occasional car getting wrecked. <laughs> we stopped doing that after season one. Yeah. If you notice, I mean, you will notice that some of the stuff that happens is talked about as opposed to actually yeah. seeing it. But I don't think that the the overall production value went down per se. But it, there are times where there's less football. Mm -hmm. Football costs a lot of money to produce. So what happened is DirecTV took over the show for seasons three, four, and five. It wound up being, from what I've heard, a very good deal for DirecTV because if you wanted to watch Friday Night Lights, you had to subscribe to DirecTV. Yeah. I wound up having a subscription to DirecTV for 15 years because of, because of that deal. And I know a lot of people did because once you sign with a cable provider. You're stuck for life. You're kind of stuck for life. Yeah. But DirecTV kind of saved the show along with Tom Arnold. And I think that that three, four, and five season, that was just lucky. Kyle Chandler called me. We were already moving on. I was already looking for other jobs. And, and Kyle called me at the start. I mean, we didn't even know there was a season three. But Kyle called me on the phone. He goes, hey, man, do you hear the news? And I was like, what? And he goes, we got season three. And I'm like, what? And he goes, and four and five. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I had no clue. So yeah. all of a sudden, we were back after this writer's strike had, had shut everything down. And I think what you'll notice, too, in seasons three, four, and five, because it's a shorter season, we were picked mm -hmm. up for 13-episode uh, seasons, is the writing became much more condensed, much more precise. There's less things that, that happen, like uh, that previous question that I think Alex had about uh, Coach being in the same town with Street and all that yeah. stuff. I think the writers at this point, now that they knew that they had 13 episode seasons, it was like, okay, we've got three seasons. We can write a beginning, a middle, and an end, essentially. And they knew that. And I think it, in a crazy way, it kind of helped the show. Well, I mean, it helped the show by the show being around and staying around. But I think on a, on a creative level, it helped the show because the writers now knew that there was a, a definite end in sight and they were planning yeah, and for they, it. But also speaking on to that, the way the show wrapped up in season five, to me is perfection. And I don't yeah. want to tell any more of the story. That's all you get for the story because it's perfect. I agree. I agree with Stace on that note. That's it for our fourth audience interaction episode. Let's keep it going. Please send us your questions to our email address. It is clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com. And join us next time when we talk about episode 17 of Friday Night Lights titled, I Think We Should Have Sex. That's actually what it's called. Where we'll talk with special guest Brett Cullen, who played my dad, Walt Riggins. But until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Clear.
Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters from Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, clearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.